You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. What's up, guys? Welcome back. This is a uh, darker episode than the usual ones that we have. Not that they're not fucking dark already, but you know, hey man, that's just the fucking way it goes. Gorilla Glue, you all. Well, welcome back to the show. Holy shit. Fucking Gorilla Glue. Well, welcome back to the show. I can't fucking breathe, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We got Jim Ojala tonight, man. Coming back on the third season. The final quarter of the 72-hour hold that you and me and everybody else has been locked up in. It's like a fucking shitty mental ward. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Jim's Uncle Harvey tonight, who's up in uh, Stillwater, Maximum, in uh, Minnesota, I think, or Wisconsin, I don't know, he's going to tell you tonight, I'm pretty baked, so I guess that's why you got to listen to the fucking show, because I don't even have my facts straight. Jim's a wonderful friend, it's a pleasure to have him back He's going to talk to us about what it's like to fucking be independent filmmaker in the COVID-19 fucking crisis. We've got a few more things to fucking talk about, too. You guys rock, man. We're in the mid-60s episode, somewhere up there, 65. I think this is episode 64. I don't know. I have no idea. Thanks, Jimmy, for coming back. Let's get this fucker going. What's up, gang? What's up, guys, dudes, and dude assesses, and everybody else in between? Welcome back. Um, it's a special honor to have uh, Jim Ojala back with us, man. Um, and I just wanted to not dance around a crunchberry bush, Jim, but I wanted to say, uh, what's it like to have had a serial killer in your family? Um, well, it's, it's pretty shocking. It's fascinating. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's sad. It's pathetic. It's, it's all that, all, all those things. I mean, I, I, I first found out about, um, our connection to Harvey, the hammer Kerrigan, um, when I was about 18 and, uh, from my father and, uh, and basically I grew up, I, you know, I grew up in the punk rock and horror movies and, yeah. you know, fascinated with serial killers. My, the first book mm-hmm. I ever read was the biography of Ed Gein, you know? Oh, okay. Like, that's, All right. that's, that's what got me into books even, you know? And, um, so I already had a fascination there, Yeah. but you know, uh, when I found out that, um, that basically my uncle-in-law, um, 
the the guy that married my aunt, his brother um, was Harvey the Hammer Kerrigan, and uh, and yeah, this this is a guy I've never met him, but um, I was told about him. The family knew him. He would come around. Really, really gruff guy, super strong. Um, his early life, he was pumped up on steroids. Really, mm. really dangerous, violent, bad temper. Um, and uh, and he even spent some home in my grandmother's, or spent some time in my grandmother's home that I like partially, you know, uh, grew up in. Um, and uh, and then found out that yeah, he um, he was uh, basically spent his whole life in crime and uh, murder. Um, first time he was uh, convicted of a murder was in 1949 in uh, Alaska. And the, and the crazy thing is about the crazy thing about the law and, and the loopholes, he was sentenced to hang for murdering a woman in Alaska, 1949. But the way the fucking cop got the confession out of him was all sketchy and and basically coaxed it out of him, promising him he would never um he would never like you know die or or get the death penalty or anything so um because of the way the confession was was received, he got off the hook oh shit There's, uh, he got off the hook that was forty nine is that what you said nineteen forty nine forty nine oh, wow he went on to he went on to basically kill for decades after that jesus um and it's like all of that would have ended in 49 if things were were done properly you know with a law and uh so and then this guy i mean he, he went on to to serve time i mean he's got this crazy history he went on to serve time in alcatraz um where i mean he was up there with like mickey cohen you know the harvey Keitel character from bugsy famous gangsters um, he, I was like, basically I started, um, letters with him, um, a couple years ago, a few years ago now. And, uh, cause basically my, my father and, and, and the family just, nobody has anything to do with him yeah. because he's basically just, um, you know, banished from the family. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's possibly tied to, like one of the biggest crimes, the one of the biggest unsolved mystery ransom crimes in Minnesota's history, where I'm from also. Yeah. And it's still unsolved. So also because of that, um, there's, uh, there's a lot of secrecy going on, but, um, but nobody wanted me anything to do with them, but I was fascinated. I was just like, I don't, you know, no shit. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to judge him or anything, but it's like, let me, you know, it, like I'm, I know if I, I know if he's old. He's been like this, you know. He's like 93 now, and I was. Oh wow! <laughs> oh know, wow! <laughs> in prison still in Minnesota, so um, so like I, I basically I started a, a dialogue with him because I knew if he died and I never would have just just checked into it just to see what his story was, I would regret. It. Um, and uh, but I mean he he. he, he he, he says that he taught Chuck Berry, like, early guitar chords when Chuck Berry was serving. Time. Like power chords and stuff? Like, yeah, like basic stuff. Like in the 50s, like early 50s, before Chuck Berry was anybody. I mean, he, 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 he did time. He, ran a, he met Charles Manson. And, and see, he believes 
Um, Harvey uh, Kerrigan told me that he believes that Charles Manson actually that it's all it's all wrong. The history is all wrong. That they actually got the wrong guy this whole time. He was like he knew Charlie in prison, and he was like this guy was a fucking goofball. He was a court jester. Nobody would ever take this guy serious. He was like I hundred percent believe Tex Watson was actually the ringleader. And oh yeah. And, and they let Charlie take the fall for it because Charlie also loved the spotlight. And that's not he shit you're going to read in Helter Skelter, dude, you know. Fuck no. That's no, fucking some like, off the grid shit to hear. Exactly. They're wow. Like, wow, guys. Like the more he 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 talked to him and heard about the relationship with Tex Watson, they were like 100% Tex Watson was the ringleader. Charles Manson was the fall guy. And because he loved the spotlight so much, he was fine with it. Yep, because he thought he was the fifth Beatle. Exactly. So he finally got the stardom. That That's, he what he wanted. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, man. He is kind of this yokel redneck, this fucking dick, you know. Right. It's kind of like, really? You really believe this guy is Jesus? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I mean, I've never been a strung out hippie. So, I mean, yeah. But, uh, um, but so the um, so a little bit about a little bit about Harvey. He he basically went in and out of prison his whole life. Had a really fucked up, hard, hard childhood. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's like it's like a lot of you know you know serial killers and stuff. They they're messed up from an early age. And um, basically, uh, he he became known as Harvey the Hammer because that was his his mode was. Um, he would carry a hammer and he would try to abduct women, um, rape and kill them. And he would, you know, in some cases try to get like a sexual favor from them. Mm. And if they refused, he would go into this blinding rage and cave their head in with a hammer. Oh, wow. Um, like a claw hammer. And mm. he's also known as the want ad killer. Um, there's a book that was written about him, I think in the seventies called the want ad killer. And, um, it's, a uh, uh Basically, he was called that because he had a gas station. So what it, one of his other modes was he would place an ad in the newspaper in, like, the job section saying he's looking for um, a gas station attendant. So um, whoever calls, as long as they sound like a young, cute girl, that's who he goes after. And he tells them, oh, it's really hard to find the location. Um, so why don't you just meet me in this, like, Sears parking lot? And we'll ride over there together. You know, this is this is the early 70s. It's, it's still a, a much more innocent time, you know. So nobody really thought anything of, of things like that. Like, everything sounds sketchy now. Yeah. But back then, people just didn't think about shit like that. Um, so they would meet him, and then he would keep driving and go somewhere, usually to, like, a cornfield or something, try to do his business, and then he would end up, you know, killing them. Um, he was convicted of... <sighs> Uh, convicted of uh, uh, four, I think, well, murdering two, and then um, I think it ended up being like four for sure, and then there's potentially another ten to twelve, um, but you know n none of those are, are proven for sure. Um, but how he got busted was was insane. Like it's it's one of those like out of a horror movie where he picked up this girl, same thing, wanted killer. Um, got her in his car, in his truck. They went past the, the gas station, went to a cornfield, 
And when he inevitably went into the rage and caved her head in with a hammer, took her body, dumped it in the cornfield, and took off. Boom, she's dead. Some only explicit ass shit. <laughs> only she's not dead. Oh. Actually, he didn't actually finish her off. She, I don't know if it was an hour or hours later, but she, she all of a sudden comes to and regains consciousness. She's like paralyzed from like the waist down and um, from, from the, uh, the hammer blow. So she basically proceeds to pull herself with her arms, pull her whole body across a whole uh, like cornfield to get to the main road. And, and and she's and she's on the side of the road covered in blood, trying to hail down cars. Nobody's stopping for her. Oh my god! So she, and this is like an old country road or something too. So she's like, screw it, pulls herself right into the middle of the road because she's about to die anyway. And finally, somebody stops, and she's she's conscious enough that she can say, "This is the guy that did it to me." This is how it was done, and boom, they got him, and he's done for. That's what nailed his ass. That's mm. what nailed his ass. But holy shit, if she wouldn't have just barely survived, who knows how much longer that would have gone on for, you know? Jesus, man. I mean, and, you know, <laughs> I'm wondering, did, did he have any pre pre-existing, like, condition, like, before the noted killing had started? Was there any ever any, like, talk of, like, what you know, he was like before, uh, you know, potential murders would have come into play. I mean, he always had a really, really bad, like violent temper. And even my father talks about being around him on construction sites and that like, that just, if, if you ever rubbed him the wrong way, like it was, it was just, um, frightening. It was dangerous. Cause yeah. this was guy, this is a guy that like, I mean, he, you know, he was writing me letters telling me how, like, he would, he'd be on the run from cops in Washington in, like, the 60s, popped up on steroids, just a, a, a muscle-bound monster. And there was one point where he pulled off into a side street. The cops were on his tail. He jumps out of his car, and he, like, lifts up another car in the air. Holy shit. To turn, to, to turn it sideways so it blocks the road, and boom, he, and he totally got away from the cops. Because he was able to lift a car to block the street from them from following. Him. <laughs> like, shit like that. He was just like, it's like right out of Watchmen, or you know, so. Exactly. And dude. Like, and I don't know. I don't know how much of this is true. This is what he's telling me. Um, so. Wow. Um, yeah, and you know, and he has a lot of like. Um, he kind of has like this like level of respect in the in the prison system um just as far as like how it works because i've talked to him about like you know were were you ever kind of forced to join like the white power gangs or anything oh yeah yeah that's a good question and and, uh because you know i don't i don't know how the inner dynamics work other than what you see in movies and documentaries and yeah and he was like no he was like i've always been a big tough guy and and he was like i'm not a follower i don't believe in any of that shit he was like i do my own thing and if they try to come for me, they know what they're going to get. Yep. So according to him, he's never had, he's always kind of been solo all these years, you know? I don't mean to sound like I'm cracking wise, but did he ever get one of the uh, trading cards made after him back in the day? Um, not, 
the funny you, you mentioned, because I, like, I look back and I see like how offensive all that shit is. Oh, yeah. So when I was a teenager, it was like, oh, these are awesome, and I had a bunch of them. Um, but I do not, I don't think he ever got one made. I He never really reached that level of, like, you know, stardom. Media, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's one of those where, you know, sometimes when I tell a story to people, they're like, holy shit, like, how come I've never heard of that? You know, but you've heard about the Hillside Strangler. Or uh-huh, yep. But it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's some information online and stuff, and supposedly he's never, he's never, um, you know, allowed anybody to videotape him. But because I'm, like, family through marriage, we we have, like, exchanged a lot of information, and he's told me a lot, and um, just about his beliefs and, and where he's at now, and, you know, would he would he ever do anything again if he got out, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and the thing is, too, like, you, you can only get so much honesty, because he made it very clear from the beginning when we were corresponding that... Uh, that he knows that they they read a lot of these letters, so it's uh-huh. like, yep. so oh yeah, <laughs> because the, the the big unsolved like crime in Minnesota's history that I was talking about, yeah, that he very likely had a like a, a major part in. Um, he he sort of kind of admitted that he was a part of it, but then like when I was trying to clarify through letters, then he was like. Well, but of course I had nothing to do with that. So it's kind of like you're covering your ass, but also like, I don't know. I don't know why you would at this point, unless you're protecting somebody maybe on the outside or the inside that might have something to do with it as well. Um, because like when you're, you're, I mean, shit, what is he going to live? Maybe another year tops? If, you know, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell. This, this is the time to just be like, put it out there like i mean i've you know, i mean I've he where is he now he's in san quentin is that where he is or? Uh, no no he's in minnesota and oh he's in minnesota. i mean minnesota yeah it's a, it's a prison um associated with stillwater okay gotcha um uh, when were the years that you guys were uh, corresponding um really like the last like the last four years oh it's just recent and, and, stuff oh yeah including now like we we still correspond yeah Oh. Because it's one of those where it's like I, I in in in, in a, you know, and like I said, I don't know what his level of honesty is. He's claiming that he really only killed, I think it's like two people, um, and that the other ones that he was kind of framed for that they were just trying to unload cases on him. So it's kind of like, did he just kill two people? Was it four people? Was it fourteen people? Mm. Like. I, I don't know. I don't know what his incentive would be to lie at this point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> and like you said, like that Wanted Killer book, that was that was this piece of sensationalism that a lot of that, those things were made up about him in that book. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, yeah, it's... Uh, you really don't know when you're, when you're getting more and more in-depth with a, a lifelong criminal. Like, how do you judge their level of honesty, you know? Yep, I mean, because everybody lies, like, in this whole media circus thing anyway, you know? That's, right, exactly. It, so it's hard to get a, a grip on the reality. You just, fortunately, thankfully, nobody had to be there that wasn't there, you know, or at that moment, you know, because um, you don't want to say you had to be there. Uh, but, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, but, you know, um, I mean, 
It is cool, though, on some level that, you know, he acknowledges you as family. So there's like this, you know, whatever he's behavioral, uh, you know, method, methodology was, you know, promoting, you know, murder doesn't bleed into what, you know, how he's talking to you and the, you know, the kind yeah, of. No, that's like the, all that is like the last thing you want to talk about. Like he's. He's interested in talking about books and politics and and religion and and just all those other aspects. You know, he wants to get pictures of my frog pond that I built. You know, I mean, uh, things like that. He, you know, he's just he's interested in other aspects of life. And and for being in the '90s, I like really with it still. Like still like cracks jokes and he's witty and he's like he's, he's got it together upstairs. Um, and he's really well read well um, yeah they're very opinionated about a lot of things and so it's uh it's interesting because it's like you're this guy that i know on some level or at some time was a like a monster but you're talking to me just like like this nice loving old like uncle uh it's very strange you know i uh i can imagine that it is man uh and um you know you have a lot of uh bravery on your end you know to be like that one family member that's like you know what dude i'm not gonna cast this guy aside despite you know he's still here he's my family you know these things matter it matters you know? yeah yeah i mean i'm just i'm, I'm interested um i'm interested in, in different people's lives too i'm interested mm -hmm. in what your story is and like and you know how do you see the world after being incarcerated really most of your life um, how you've seen things come and go and just getting that story from him about like Chuck Berry and stuff like that. It's like, bizarre. <laughs> I wanted to make the comment about that Chuck Berry thing real fast. Cause I was like, did you hear that y'all back to the future lied? It wasn't Marvin Berry. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> he made that call. <laughs> it was like, listen to this. <laughs> Wow, yeah, of course, man. And you know, they were like, fuck them. Let's play. You know? That's cool yeah, as fuck, dude. I yeah, love that shit. Country, he had a prison country band. And oh, wow. He was a pretty, uh, and Harvey was a pretty good guitarist. And, and really, like, if, if life would have gone in another direction for him, would have really loved to pursue music. You know? Like, wow. It's, yeah, like, who knows how that story could have turned out? You know? It's just, it's like a... It's just interesting. Like, I don't know where this is going to go yet. Like, I'm a filmmaker and a writer, and, and I know there's a story in here somewhere. And this is sweet inspirato, I know, you know. Yeah, yeah. totally. And I'm not judging him. And I'm yeah. also, like, I'm also, like, not whatsoever, you know, forgiving the horrible things that he's done. Of course. There's no condonance on this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just... That's not I'm it. just kind of seeing, seeing where it is and, and for, for what it is. Yeah, man. That's cool of you, man. That's cool. That's how I do it, too. You know, I'd definitely be interested in the cat if he was in my family. You know, I like yes. I like you said, it's not that you're condoning shit. You know, it's just that, you know, there's a level of decency. He's an elder, you know, uh, and el yeah, elders yeah, become different people. You know, <laughs> it's like we're not the same. Um, I tell you what, my, my family told me one just this creepy story about like um that when, when i was kind of around like you know 
a few years, like after I got out of high school, for a few years I lived at my grandma's house. Yeah. And they told me about a time in, I guess it was probably like the early 70s. Yeah, it was like, yeah, probably early 70s where um, he came through, like, kind of late at night and um, and just kind of out of the blue with this girl. And said that he needed to crash there and like the fam some of the family was there at my grandma's house and and they're like okay sure and then you know you can stay in the basement and in this basement that's where i did a lot of my filming um on my old like public access show and stuff when i was living there and uh and i know it well and it's but it's kind of a creepy basement and like he stayed there the night with this girl and then they left like really early the next morning and they just like they never saw the girl again you know, and they always kind of wondered, like, was that one of his victims, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, just who knows? Question mark on that, huh? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, it's intense, Jim. <laughs> I'm glad that, yeah, you know, yeah. it's an interesting uh, concept, you know, and, and, I, and I, the whole thing, if you did take it into production... Uh, who would you have everybody that's in existence? Who would you want to house it? Who, who would I want to, oh, to like to produce it or like, or where would you have it? Like if someone could go watch it, what, I mean, I guess, what caliber I guess would it be? Um, I mean, I, you know, it's one of those where it's, it would probably be more of like an independent project. And, and that's the thing. Like I'm, it's, this whole story unfolds more and more every time, there's more letters because he made it very clear. He wasn't going to just share everything. Mm. Um, in those first few letters, like this is an ongoing process. So I don't know, this may be a, this might end up being like a documentary. It may be a, a, a feature film. Um, it, you know, it, I don't know, maybe a book. I mean, I, I, I don't know yet. Um, it's kind of like there's, there's certain parts of him and his story that are very guarded still. So, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's kind of one of those like long game things where it's like, okay, this isn't going to just present itself, you know, in a few months. This yeah. is like over the course of years, you know. The story is still being written. The story is still being written. And then probably next time I go to Minnesota, I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to try to set it up at the prison um, to, to have a face to face with him, you know. He's, uh, he's talking about allowing that, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, we're not talking about videotaping it or anything right now, but, but definitely he, he wants to do a face to face. So, um, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I, I totally want to, Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's been long enough that like, yeah. And I think that's, I think once you do a face to face with somebody that ends up being a whole nother level of trust as well. Somebody can really read in you, you know, especially somebody like that that's been around rough shit and rough people for so long that you can probably read if people have genuine um, intentions. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel that too. You know, um, you seem to be a good judge of character. Um, and then, like I said, I appreciate the, uh, the, you know, the straightforward talk about it. Um, I've never had a situation like this in my life or nor have I ever met anyone. Um, that had, uh, you know, the closest thing that ever, you know, on a serial killer end for me personally was, uh, I met this guy when I, uh, in Boulder, Colorado, like 93, 
who had said that he had busted the son of Sam. Oh, shit. And uh, we, I smoked a bowl with him. He was an older cat to me, you know. And uh, he was like, no, nah, in 77, he said I was like nine years old, and uh, I was nowhere. And these uh, girls, you know, they took me in. They were working on the street, and uh, some of them started disappearing in Yonkers. So, um, you know, uh, the pimp told him, you know, write down all the license plates. So according to the police story, you know, it says, oh, he got busted on a parking ticket. But really, he got busted right. because some this kid uh, who's not a grown ass man years later, <laughs> who I'm sitting in Canyon Park with in Boulder, Colorado, smoking a bowl. That's about as close to those I ever got. And then I never saw the guy again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, he handed it over to the pimps, and the pimps were take uh, the cops were getting cuts off the that pimp, and oh, he he goes, "Why don't you guys go do your job?" You know, and and then they called it in. They're not going to tell him. Oh, we got the info from a pimp. You know, right? That's pretty interesting. I, I could I could totally believe that. Um, you know, and then uh, years later, I think this was like 2016, and I was hanging out with Mike Diana in Yonkers, and it was Son of Sam Day. And we and, <laughs> and so we went to the big old cemetery. This this gigantic park cemetery. Uh huh. And we were walking. I put this on an episode somewhere. I thought it was like the four twenty episode or whatever. You guys can go back and listen to that shit. But um, anyway, me and Mike walked by this this guy walking these tiny toy dogs. <laughs> and we walked by him, and then all of a sudden we heard the ding 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 ding, like all coming closer to us. And me and Mike turned around at the same time, and this little toy dog came up to us and was all, "Hey guys, hey guys, I want to tell you something." And, I was, and me and Mike looked at him and was like, "What the fuck?" You were both seeing the same thing. We we saw it, we heard it, and you know I'm a liar to an extent, you know. But Mike is not, Mike. Yeah, Mike is not a liar, you know. Like he just he doesn't have the bone in his body, and if you guys ask him, he's gonna laugh because he's you know nervous. <laughs> and the thing was fucking nerve wracking to be honest, but we were laughing so hard, and the guy came back and got the dog and. I was like, did you fucking hear that? And we had another friend with us, too. So Mike had a friend. So there's a third party. And it was just, it was the weirdest. I, I You know, it was Son of Sam Day. This little York Terrier midget. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I want to tell you something. <laughs> no so shit. It's like, a, like a, the size of the toy, but it was a real dog? Well, they call these guys toy dogs, you know, because, right. you know, you carry them around and, you know, they right, little accessory dogs. Uh-huh, you fit them in your case, you know. Totally. <laughs> First dog. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I guess uh, in the end, you know, um, there's not much else to really uh, say. And I, I uh, wanted to ask, you know, other than, you know, Thank you for talking about that, and I didn't want to exploit it anymore. And, you know, do you have other things you want to talk about? Some shit that you're doing right now, or you know? Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're uh, we're creating you know different projects. Like we just finished up, you know, the special effects makeup creature effects studio. So we just finished up on a, a couple things and um, a feature and uh, a 
uh, a music video, which is it's no picnic trying to make a movie during COVID nineteen. Oh man, like, what is that like? What's that? What is that like? <laughs> kind of like it. It kind of sucks, man, because you you a production has to, especially if you're like a smaller independent production. Yeah. So much extra time and money that has to go into the precautions, and everybody needs to get fresh masks and gloves every day and tested every week. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, and then you're on set, and it's like, I mean, shit, we had days here that were, you know, 115 degrees, and people got to wear those masks for, like, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, um, nonstop. It's like, and then these dickheads have the balls to bitch about having to wear them for 10 minutes in a grocery store. You know, yeah, like, fuck you, man. <laughs> oh, no, man. Uh-uh, no. Wow, that's intense, you know? I never even thought about that aspect, you know? Yeah, and when you realize, too, like, so much of, of like, you know, uh, you know, making a production is, is about personalities working together. And so much of your personality is actually taken away when you only see people with masks on 24-7. And, like, like, the last day of production, one of the directors took their mask off for, like, a picture, and it was like, oh, shit, that's what you look like? Like, I just, it's really, it's jarring. Like, so much of your personality is how you just accentuate when you talk and everything. And when you strip all of that away, it actually takes a lot of the emotion out of collaborating with others. You know, it's, it's very weird. I can imagine that. Yeah, I can see that totally, especially on a human end, especially the way humans are reacting right now with it. Right. Um, exactly. I have to really make those, those okay. eyes big or pissed off or whatever emotion you uh -huh. have. You can use your eyes. You know? yeah. I, I had to ask, you know, what is the running gag line price on people needing to re-up on, uh, on uh, masks and gloves? What's the total, you know, how, are they, how much are they overcharging you on that? <laughs> you know? I mean, there's, I mean, definitely, because just for, like, our studio, we have to get gloves on a regular basis, and they're easily, easily twice what they used to be. Uh -huh. So it's, 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 it's crazy, and it's like when you're, you know, we're a small mom pot, so, like, that kind of, just those little things kill you. You know, when they got up, you know. That's horrible, um, man. Or the, or the masks. You couldn't even get the masks. Like, just, they just weren't available. And the same thing with the gloves in a lot of places. They're just, they're just not available, you know. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you make do. I mean, the, the, the good thing is that it shows that, like, it can be done. It's not like you, you, you see a lot of people that just have a fatalistic attitude where it's like, well, we're all fucked and, and there's no more work, and we're all going to go bankrupt. And it's like, no, people are trying, and they're finding a way, and it's working. Yep. We had a 19-day shoot. It was really strenuous, um, and nobody got sick. Everybody was 100% safe the whole time. So it was a awesome. Pain, but yeah. It was, you, you can do it. You, you know? can do it. You can do it. Yeah. The DIY continues. The virus tries to put the cock block on your creativity, of course. And all it's doing is really building it up more in the end, because now you got to find new creative ways to even make ways to be creative. So it's only du sure. doubling up your creative, you know, motor engine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about like writing is that like okay, 
you know, you can still do that anywhere you are, you know. You yeah. can still be creating new projects to pitch whenever people do take meetings again or whatever. So it's like heavy, heavy into that world and, uh, you know, um, and just and kind of like letting letting in some of the, the poison too, letting in the good and the bad, because a lot of that poison that's going on in the world, uh, that's a lot of ammunition. You know, I'm using oh, yeah. a lot in fighting, you know, just how poisonous I feel, I feel the world is towards each other right now. Like I've never seen it before. Like you're talking about, like, that's a gold mine for metaphors, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. This whole thing's been a, a fucking metaphor, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it really shows what we took for granted too, man. You know? Yeah, totally. And it's just like, yeah, you you see you you would see gl- glimmers where it's like oh people banding together and looking at, you know out for each other and then like I see so many of just just people fucking with each other mm-hmm, you know, being like, dicks like, just to be shitty like in the neighborhood I'm in they have like weekly still they'll have a BLM protest like by the Albertsons and then across the street will automatically be a Blue Lives Matter slash like kind of it ends up devolving into like a racist trump rally to to kind of try to shout louder than the blm people and then it starts in like chest bumping and, and insanity insanity it was like in my nice cute little neighborhood there's there's people waving confederate flags no in the middle no of <laughs> giving, giving hitler salute no i was like <laughs> Congratulations, motherfucker. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus. Oh, man. But it's, but it's like so unnecessary. Like, oh, yeah. It's just people want to fucking fight. Like, I heard, I heard it explained that, like, nobody has time. To, uh, the, the people only have time now. So they're just sitting around feeling emotion. So everything is just amped. That's why cancel culture is also going through the roof now because. People are just looking to be offended by everything. Uh huh. So it's just, uh, it's. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't, I don't trust the radical left any more than I do the right anymore. Yep. You know? it's, uh, the whole thing fucking scares me. But it's just, it's like you gotta walk on eggshells around everybody. You know. Yep. I do want to, uh, you know, see a new renaissance with coming uh, through this kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure that's how the renaissance that we know of, you know, in the medieval ages, you know, would have started is because of virus and plague and everybody having to stay inside all the time, you know, and kind of going nuts. So absolutely. And people taking things in their own hands. That's why I love seeing things like, like Twitch or as annoying as it can be, even things like TikTok, where it's like, Mm -hmm. it, it allows just like kids with nothing but their pocket change to like make a show. Oh, I can make a puppet show on Twitch and hey, maybe, and I can do it for nothing. And maybe I get a few followers. Maybe I could even make a couple bucks someday. It's kind of like, just, it's, it's like almost like seeing that beauty of the power of like public access when I was a kid, seeing that. Yes. Which loops us back to the, the original episode, you know, that we did. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
that's it too and uh i love that episode man uh you know for many yeah, reasons that was, that was a lot of fun yeah. <laughs> this one is too man it's a darker uh tone but right, right. you know but yeah. it, it's still like as a it's just great to talk to you dude you got a great attitude your pma's up man uh every time i talk to you and i'm just trying to keep positive cats like you who are conscious about the reality around them and uh I mean, it's just getting harder to find, right? Because so many people are just, it's its easier to hate what you don't understand, and it's easier just to fall into a disliking and stay in a hate, hateful mode. And, and then the deeper you get into it, the harder it is to get out of it, man. You know, by the time you come out of it, you're embarrassed because you're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Uh, I got to let my ego down. Guys, let your fucking ego down. People are people, man. We're all fragile shit. And as your uncle knows, in the end, we all bleed red, huh? So, um, you know, <laughs> this is true, yeah. you know, dude, it's just like, we're all the same shit, you know, um, regardless of what we're doing, regardless of, you know, if they're Zeke heiling or if they're fucking protesting the Zeke heiler, you know, these are still humans. You still have to have some care. You can't just be like... Well, this party needs to die, and da 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 da, and it's like, yeah, their their hate needs to die. You're not going to yeah. kill it by killing them. You're only going to up the ante on the bloodshed. There has to be at well, some point, you know, the wheel of shit has to stop. Exactly. You know, as soon as you kill that guy, the next thing you're going to know is you're going to have to confront, like, oh shit, my mom's on the opposite side of the spectrum that I am. Well, fuck, now I have to kick her ass, you know? It's like Or worse killer, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. It doesn't uh it doesn't end anywhere. It just it's like is is you know, the the most powerful people are the ones that can actually that actually have the wherewithal and the balls to to listen to the opposing side. Mhm. And and actually be willing to have a dialogue, you know? Um, where it doesn't have to just devolve into like, oh, well, if you're on the opposite end, you're automatically the enemy, you're canceled, uh, it's done. And it's just like, no, that, that doesn't mean it goes away. That just goes, it goes somewhere else and gets stronger without you knowing anything about it now, you know? Yep, and it sucks that it's in the brain. I mean, I wish it wasn't just this fucking problem, you know what I mean? And on Earth, yeah. it's just such a problem to fucking hate everybody. Uh, not just for skin color, but for any fucking reason you can think of, you know, and it's just, it's just out of control. This shit's out of control. It really is. I wish people could find just other reasons to be amped about life than just trying to fuck with other people. It's like, you see like some of these, like just these like, like a community message board, for instance, on just like my neighborhood. It's, like endless, endless people just in comment threads fighting for hours. And it was like, really? You got nothing else to do than to bitch and moan and like and call out people for their political beliefs or just like like find something else to be amped about in life. I mean it's it's such a waste of time, you know? You could have written a great novel in the time you've been doing the stupid shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh I just Man, all the decent people who love each other, man, you know, regardless of who they are, 
I wish that we weren't subjected to this kind of hate. I don't, I can't, you know, it just seems just so, I hate saying alien because even that term sounds racist when you say it, you know, and it's just like, I don't want to say that, you know, it's just, I hate that it's just so damn fucking, ah, I'm at a loss of words for a podcast, so I guess that's kind of, <laughs> I feel like everybody else, dude, that fucking is just tired of it, man, you're exhausted. It's exhausting. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's really exhausting. Like, I, I went with my girlfriend recently to, um, for her birthday. We just, like, you know, fuck it, let's get, let's get out of town. Let's get away from all of this. And we went camping on Catalina Island on a secluded beach. Um, you know, we just took the ferry over there and just had a blast for, like, two, three days. And didn't really see anybody. And we're hiking, doing this big-ass, like, three-hour hike back to Two Harbors. And we start to realize, like, oh, shit, wait, do we have our masks? Oh, shit. Because we see this, like, little city in the distance, and it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. There's, like, a pandemic and riots and all this all this shit going on. And it was like, wow, to be able to forget about all of it for, like, three days was, like, the most amazing feeling, you know? And that's the photo I probably saw on you, of you on Facebook, like, around this beautiful lake. and then... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you look, man, it looked like uh, heaven. Compared to what I was yeah. dealing with when I saw that picture, <laughs> I was gels as fuck at gym. Gels. Well, that's the thing, man. I, I would tell anybody if you can, like, none of this shit has to be expensive. Just if you have a tent, if you have whatever, just even like just for a day trip, just get, get, get out. Uh, out. Go, go get grounded. Go, go out to the woods for a day or a few hours or just anything. Just. To get away from that, it, it really, it does wonders to reset your head. Just you know? don't go to Northern California right now, y'all, because that's going to be your last mistake. It's just an abominable fire from hell. One of other, one of the other great gifts from the year 2020. <laughs> Ew, 2020, the uncle that fucking hurt you, you know? <laughs> that's what... <laughs> It makes your uncle look like a little Debbie, man. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> Dude, exactly. 2020 has been the most brutal serial killing ass fucking lying piece of shit fucking dog dick fucking wolf in sheep's clothing motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. And on top of all that, Halloween is canceled. Oh no, you fucker! Right? Beep, beep, beep! Like, fucker! Beep! <laughs> To see the like, oh, can we just go somewhere and do something spooky? Can we go to the Winchester Mystery House or something? And it's like, everything's closed still, too, so it's like... I guess we're going to sit around like everybody else and just watch the fog at home or something, you know? And you know what it reminds me of, which is really scary, Jim? And I, you made me just think about it, too. But I used to live on an island, you know, when I was a kid in North Carolina. And I was one of these oh, punk, yeah. punk delinquents, man, that would take, you know, I was like 11, 12. I'd pick on, you know, seven, eight years old and, you know, give them wedgies and steal their candy. You know, I was that dude, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this reminds me. That mentality that I just described, y'all, reminds me of how pissed this country is and the country, the entire country kind of being an island. And just what do you think will really happen 
this Halloween? That's an interesting question because if people are this disturbed and rioting this fucking long, you know, Halloween's going to be the fucking night that, you know, some hell breaks loose. That's what I would gather, you know? Right, yeah. Well, I w- it'll be interesting to see, like, how many people, if any, um, treat it almost like a universal hell night. You yeah, know? you know. We're just tear shit up. Because a lot of people do want to just rage right now, too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Well, even Trump was, you know, make America great again. You know, that's a line from the movie The Purge, right? Is that the exact line? I think so, yeah. Oh, shit, wow. <laughs> Which is like, you know, yeah. two or three years before Trump, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> Premeditated, man. Uh, the whole yeah. thing. You know, oh, God, I hate the guy. My, you know, it's just, I think you're supposed to, man. You know, because, you know, you want to hear my wild little theory, y'all? Jim, you want to hear this? Yeah. Okay, here you go. Totally. I think that Nibiru, Planet X, is real. I think it's a whole solar system. I think it's going to show up at the end of this month. I think Trump's going to fucking pull another wild card, allowing him to fucking stay in office again. He's going to do even more shit. Maxwell's going to fucking narc on his ass and a bunch of other shit. It'll all come into fruition. And all of a sudden, a fake UFO attack out of nowhere. Uh, After martial law. Okay, after Trump's initiated martial law because Nibiru is a weirdo planet that appeared from nowhere and NASA has no idea where it came from. Um, and, uh, you know, and all this other shit. And then finally, Trump will look so bad that anybody obviously looks good by now. So the best looking guy and the, or whoever it is, could be a man, woman, could be both. I don't know, but, uh, you know, somebody will win the respect of the world lead the fucking assault on the fake UFO attack, gain the world's respect, make Trump fucking dead, everybody's going to love the motherfucker, and as soon as he's got the the right respect, that's when the real shit's going to hit the fan. And I think that's going to be, you know, inside the next, you know, two years. And then by the third year, you know, uh, we'll look at a thousand years of peace because so much shit would have happened, and uh, these guys probably would have destroyed themselves by then. That's how powerful they are. And that that's how powerful they're acting. And like I said, you know, absolute power corrupts Alan Alda because fucking, you remember the episode of MASH when he became Colonel Potter Standin and he went power tripping mad. That's what's happening with these motherfuckers. You know, that's the same thing, man, you know, so that's it. That's what I think. That's what I think. That's what my cheap National Enquirer ass wants to know, you know? Feels like we're on course for that, though. Like something similar, or parallel. Anyway, it's like I know. Why don't we throw an alien invasion? Uh huh. Well, CNN already. CNN. Well, the story about the Air Force catching that UFO two years ago and then them bringing it back all nonchalantly a month ago. It's like why? And it matches up with the timing, right? Because if Nibiru is real, y'all which I've been tracking the motherfucker for 16 years, and I say, survey says, yes, the motherfucker's real, and, you know, uh, it will appear if one of my friends is right, who's a professional tracker, you know, of this system, it'll show up at the cusp of Libra on this month. We'll see. We'll see, y'all. I don't know. 
But uh, I happen to trust, you know, people who actually track it more than, than some weirdo preacher from Oakland who says May 23rd or, you know, <laughs> give some false ass date, you know, and, you know, fuck these false prophet dicks. You know, I, lo I want to talk to people who are actually tracking the shit. Yeah. Right, yeah. But that's my big obsession. That's why I had a couple episodes with it. And uh, I'm getting feedback on your end. Do you, you hear that? Mm -hmm. I think they're tapping into my phone line. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> they probably are. Well, you know, they're too busy trying to open that portal in Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> The Stargate. That's why they hung Saddam Hussein. <laughs> you know, there's all the conspiracies in the world are coming out right now. So, you know, I haven't, I, this is the most probably conspiracy theory filled time period we've ever lived in. Yeah, right? Seriously. It's just wall to wall to wall to wall. It seems to all connect, too, if you put the puzzle pieces together the right way, which is really frightening. I mean, just, just the amount of theories concerning COVID-19 uh -huh. from several different political agendas, you know, and non-political agendas, everything, like trying to disprove it for different, completely different reasons. It's, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's wild. It's wild. And then anybody who protests against the wrong people, pff, you're a nut. Oh, you saw that on YouTube, yeah. but you see everything on YouTube, dude. So that means everybody's fucking crazy, then, right? You know. <laughs> right. I mean, that's and that's what I that's what I think. That's what I'm trying to kind of like work into my um, the the project I'm writing on right now is that it's one of the scariest things about this time is that there is no such thing as universal truth anymore, mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder: was there ever a universal truth? Like, it, it feels like there was when I was younger and I was a kid, but maybe I was just looking at the world through kids' eyes, you know? I don't know. I think keeping that heart of a kid, though, is kind of the secret to sustaining a, a mature adulthood through this extreme-ass shit also, yeah. you know? Because the kid, the good kid knows. Remember? Remember the good kid? Right, yeah. Okay, you know, and you're either, you were either a good kid back then or you weren't, y'all, you know? It's just how it goes, you know. Uh, shit leopards don't change their spots. Don't think they do. Um, but, you know, we make mistakes, and if we can get merit out of our mistakes, rooting back to the beginning of this episode, talking about Harvey there, you know, who made a series of brutal-ass mistakes and now has a cordial, well-read, as you said, he's established. In that sense, yeah, we can change, you know. Um there's plenty of good kids who do bad things because they're sick of the way shit looks around them. I'm not condoning it, but, you know, there's reasons that we do shit, you know. Evil is learned, but good yep. is inherent, you know. So don't take pride in the good shit you do, y'all. That's fucking bloated. You're just flogging a dead horse, and all of a sudden your love looks like shit, so, you know. Don't do that. You know, keep your love in your project. Keep your love in your writing. Keep your love in your art. Keep your love in your fucking community. Keep your love in your heart. Make sure the mistakes you make aren't, you know, something that is hurting somebody. Because, you know, in the end, 
you're gonna have to you're the one that's waking up with yourself in the morning and going to bed with yourself at night and that's it you know i hope that made some sense <laughs> it did absolutely and jim we're wrapping it up here man uh we're coming at the end of the hour and i wanted to thank you for taking the time um and i'm so sorry that you're getting flogged on all this money uh just to put out something decent and that people are uh taking advantage of other people during a time of like obvious health crisis and trying to yeah. get the money as much as they can you know it'd like to see some billionaires with balls just here y'all i got enough money to fucking Give you fucking ten stipends each in America. And they do. You know, whatever. You know, don't worry about their fucking dirty money. You guys, listen to what Jim said earlier. The the real money and the real love comes from working even harder during a fucking crazy-ass time on Earth like this and through everything. And I want to thank you, Jim, for joining us and uh, for sharing your... Uh, awesome ass knowledge with us man thank you dude yeah thank you anytime man all right guys we're wrapping it up i'm gonna leave a fucking sweet ass bumper and uh hold on hold on the phone jim all right you got it that was fucking awesome jim thank you for joining us and uh before i go i just want to say fucking i can't express it enough to do your best I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world. I'm a fucking angry fuck. But I try just to direct it when I'm getting abused. And I don't want to be the one that's dispensing the abuse. You see what I'm saying? I have done both. It sucks. I hate the fucking one where I'm the abuser. And I know you all have been. Everybody has. Don't fucking try to judge my ass. Don't judge me. Especially when I'm being honest in the sense that I want to connect to you, you know? Because I do give a fuck. I give a fuck about the mistakes I made. I give a fuck about the wrong people that I fucking talked shit to. I give a fuck about that shit. I give a fuck about the paranoia that I've had to undergo. I give a fuck about it. You know? That's why I started doing this shit. So I could change it. Before it's too late, man... I don't know what's after this, but, you know, Jim said earlier in the show, you know, there's no universal truth anymore. Well, I beg to differ. The one thing that fucking does stand true is that we all fucking die. <clears throat> and I can't emphasize enough on it, man. You know, there's times not promised. I don't know what to say. But it can be broken. It can be misused. CERN can fucking butt-fuck it into another fucking Rosenberg bridge, you know, or malfunction their shit while they're fucking jacking off to the statue of Shiva. But, uh, you know, it's not promised. Alright, guys, hold on. We're gonna close this motherfucker out. And away we go! Uh, shit, motherfucker, shit. Come on, you buffering fuck, you fucking dick. Let's get the fuck going. Oh my god, you fucking suck. Alright, thanks for joining me tonight. <laughs> hey man, this shit's punk as fuck. <laughs> I love you guys. Straight from the mental ward. Which is called Earth. 
<laughs> Jim, you're a cool motherfucker, man. I'm glad we're friends. Glad we're friends. <laughs> oh, I'm so baked. Holy shit. Thank God for some fucking weed through this shit. And thank God I'm a cartoonist because... Unlike most of you guys who are fucking active and go to work and have these jobs and social fucking lives doing it. I'm a cartoonist, man. I sit at my desk alone. Almost my whole life. This shit ain't really phasing me like it is a lot of you. And believe me, I can see it pretty clearly. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying I'm thankful that I am not anything else but a cartoonist in that sense, in this case. And people have to work at their fucking desk all the time. And then you gotta go home and raise a family anyway, dude. What the fuck are you doing, you know? You guys can relate. I like to go out sometime. Try to make the best of it so you don't get temporal insanity, I guess, is what I'm kind of going at, because it's easy to be hateful to each other. You know, me and my grandma, Sugar. Sugar's gonna be an episode in the next 72-hour hold, probably. I don't know. Sugar Faye Williams, man. She was a psychic, like me. She knew I had a vision. I could see shit. I'm not a prophet, man. I'm wrong about shit, too, that I see, man. Seriously. I've been wrong plenty of times, but... Some visions come in clearer than others. What can I tell you? And if you've been listening to these episodes that I've been documenting, man, from the beginning, dude, you know that I'm dealing with visions. It's not a big secret by now. But you don't just come out and say it, you know. I'd rather just tell you, I see shit. And this is when I've seen it. You don't reveal it all at once. Kind of the way uh, Harvey's writing those letters to Jimmy there. He's not going to tell him everything at once. You know? Methodology is applicable and very parallel. He killed people, right? He said he only killed two people, though. I don't know. I don't know him, but... This was a very respectful episode for him. And, uh... He's an elder, and I respect my elders. I don't care what they've done. Because it ain't about what they did, dude. It's about them being an elder. You know. In fucking 15 years, I'm going to be a fucking elder. That's weird. <laughs> oh, well. Whatever you do, stay legal. Don't kill anybody, dude. You may be thinking about it. Everybody says it. I'm gonna kill that guy. You know? 
The heat is on. I had a friend say, count to ten. She's a fucking hypocrite. She needs to do it more than anybody, but even the hypocrites know they have good hearts. You gotta breathe. Until next time, gang. Keep an eye out. Keep your ear to the ground. And tune in. And drop out so you can listen to Adam RMD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it, buddy. Yep. Go home. Beat it. You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Hey Jim, what's up, man? How you doing out there? Doing good, doing good, getting by. How about you? I'm doing all right. Now I'm gonna check this shit.